Now I'm preaching this message and it's entitled The Power and Holiness in God's Word. The Power and Holiness in God's Word. And my hope is that the Word of God will begin to minister to you and that you will be edified, discipled, encouraged, and that you'll have faith for where you're at and the life that God has called you to live because He's called us all to holiness. He's called us to righteousness. He didn't call us to live a life of mediocrity. He didn't call us to live a life like we lived before we came to Christ. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's come out from that old way. He's come out from that old life. I'm so tired of people hanging their testimony on that scripture that says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory. Well, let me tell you something. We all know that. We all know that we have all fallen short of the glory and we've all sinned. But I want to have the testimony that Jesus Christ lives within me. Amen. And he's come to save me and not just save me, but save me to the uttermost. His word I want hid down deep in my heart that I not sin against Him. That is why He saved us so that we can glorify Him with a life that's different than it was before. Amen. Amen. So I'm preaching this thought and using the psalmist's words to strike a chord in us of the instruction and the possibility, and I use that word possibility, of living for God. And when I say living for God, I mean holy before God, pure before God, and our generation, and victorious, ever growing and abounding in spiritual maturity, because that's what we're supposed to be. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be. So the psalmist speaks of maturity as if overcoming sin was possible and it is possible amen it is possible for he said thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee that is as valid today under the new covenant of the work of the cross as it was when the psalmist was reading it and the only word he had was the first five books of the Bible amen Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy and he said your word have I hid in my heart but we have a whole lot more word that we can hide in our heart. We've got a new covenant through the blood of Jesus and the work of Calvary's cross. And so I've come today to tell you that it is valid that you and I live and live overcoming. Amen? Did not Paul say that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16. I don't think I gave that to my brother, but 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says this. I think I skipped that one, Ben, only because I didn't see it hidden down here in the shadows of my notes. But 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says this, and I'm also going to read 1 Corinthians 3 16. But 2 Corinthians 6 16, it says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now he's talking about dealing with being unequally yoked, but what he is saying is that we're called to live a holy life. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why you shouldn't open yourself up to things because this is where God dwells. Come on now. And he said, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Did you read that? You as believers are the temple of the living God as God hath said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people and then over in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 this is what the word of God says Paul's writing this yet again know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy which temple you are that simply means this it means inside Right inside you and I is the place where God dwells. Let that sink down deep in your spirit. He dwells right here. He dwells in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So what manner of life should we live? But I want to give you some hope tonight and some encouragement and something that I hope will excite you. Inside we house the very habitation of the very presence of God. He lives in you. He lives in me. That means it's a temple where spiritual transactions are taking place. 
We always look at the Word of God in these metaphorical things, if you will. But He's not just metaphorically speaking. He's speaking literal to you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why whenever you feel the Spirit of God move, you start to cry. There's a weeping that happens. That's why when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you begin to shout. Come on. That's why whenever the Spirit of God senses something around you that grieves His Spirit, you're grieved and you're broken. That's why when He speaks to you and tells you something's not right there, that's because there's spiritual transactions taking place inside. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that means spiritual transactions are taking place. It means there's a high priest working in here. Did you hear me? There's a high priest operating inside of you. He's offering spiritual sacrifices. And you are worshiping because it's a spiritual sacrifice. Worship is going on. Petitions are being lifted up to the throne of God. You're getting answers to prayers. You're getting direction for your life. There's spiritual transaction going on within you in this temple. Knowing this powerful truth, what kind of life are we supposed to live? A holy one, I can tell you. A pure one. A victorious one. And a pleasing one unto God. Amen. His word is hid deep in our hearts that we will not sin against God. The psalmist declared that and we must follow his example. I want to share a few scriptures that will hopefully encourage us in what God is doing in us. Because we have not been called to mediocrity. We have been called We have been called to something greater than a mediocre life. We've not been called to be kicked around by the devil. We've not been called to live in defeat. We've not been called to be a failure. We've not been called to be a person that does not overcome and does not live victorious. We've not been called to be redeemed from sin, to live in sin. We've been called to walk on top of that. This is where God is working and moving and this body shall be the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But you've got to know this today. We have not been called to a mediocre, defeated, broken down life. We are not to live defeated, but encouraged and edified. Amen. We are to be encouraged and edified. And that comes as we realize and truly believe what God has done and is doing in us and through us. He has saved us to the uttermost. I'm going to give you some scriptures tonight and I want you to write them down and I want you to quote them and I want you to remember them because we're called to live a holy life. This isn't just something that pastor preaches and we go home and say, it sounded like a good message, but it just doesn't seem possible to me. I can tell you faith comes through the word of God and hearing by the word of God. And so in Hebrews 7 verse 25 it says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Years ago my dad bought a 41 Chevy. It was a business coupe. Now some of you have no idea what that is. But it was a a two door Uh, uh, Chevy and it was old and rusted and broke down but he pushed that thing in the garage when I was real little he showed me pictures of that and whenever they brought it home but he began to purchase that first and foremost but it wasn't completely restored at first it was just purchased he had the title on it it belonged to him he had a vision for that car and what he did was he started from the beginning and went all the way to the end he rebuilt the motor he took pieces apart he polished up the chrome he sanded it down he put bondo or whatever that is on there and straightened out the dents and before you knew it he had a spotless perfect uh, uh, you know frame of a car it's all prime 
primered and ready for paint. And then they painted that thing a beautiful midnight blue. Put those original um, baby moon hubcaps on there with red and, and blue Chevrolet. A man across that hubcap. He polished it up and it was a show car. It looked beautiful. What, what God wanted me to say to you tonight is he purchases us. But it's a whole life of him restoring, sanctifying and changing us. Don't get caught up in what you are not, but begin to rest in what God said He's going to do. He said, I've come to save you to the uttermost. The uttermost. He has saved us to the uttermost. He didn't stop at redemption. He has set on sanctifying us. When I first got saved... I was battling rejection. I was battling abandonment. I was battling fears. I was battling insecurities. I was battling a whole host of things. But this word has taught me who I am in Jesus Christ. It has taught me what he has done for me in my life. It has taught me how to live an overcoming life. It has taught me that I have power. Amen. Wonder working power in the blood. And wonder working power in the spirit. And it's not by might nor by power. But by my spirit saith the Lord. He begun something in me, and today I'm different. It took 30 years to get there, but I'm different. Amen. So you've got to know today, he's called me to live in the power of God and a holy life. Holy. That's not just a dogmatic doctrine. That's something we're called to be. Because before you came to Jesus, you were unholy. You were unrighteous. You were fornicators and adulterers. Homosexuals. You were drug addicts. You were addicts. You were thieves. You were liars. We were all host of things. And he said, I saved you to sanctify you. Make you holy. We are not to live defeated but overcoming when he said I saved you to the uttermost he didn't stop at redemption some people stop at redemption because they're not taught that there's more have to be taught that's why you see Christians that say they're Christians but they don't live like one amen had somebody say to me one time I'm a Christian I'm just not the born again kind it's the only kind there is <laughs> I'm a preacher, but I'm not a holiness one. That's the only kind there is. Amen. Everybody else is preaching another gospel. But he preached for you and I to come out from among them and be separate. We're called to holiness. And it has to be preached. And it's a beautiful thing. Because when you walk in righteousness and holiness, you can lay your head on that pillow and you can sleep at night with peace. And even if the devil comes to try to torment you, you know in whom you have believed. And you plead the blood. And you bind the enemy. And you see God begin to bring a freedom and a liberty. Oh, I'm so thankful. Whew. Cleaning us up, purifying us, giving us the power to say no to Satan's temptations and our fleshly inclinations. That's what God is doing in you. Saving you to the uttermost. Too many people living in the from. I'm living in the to. I'm not living in where I came from, but where I'm going to. Amen. Don't live on where you came from, but live on where you're going to. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you and always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Listen up, saints of God. His grace is sufficient to cleanse you. It's not grace for certain things, but grace for all things. Why do we only believe God's grace for some things? Believe it for all things. Amen. Amen. I got a credit card from Ford. 
They love you so much, they gave you a credit card and a truck. Ford credit. Okay? Amen. They said you get these special privileges and perks when you use that card. So I called them up. I said, I like that 0%. You do too. Especially in a time when interest rates are through the roof. Amen. Come on now. But I said, thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad I got that card. $7,500 limit. I said, oh, ho, 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 ho. And I said, I like that 0%. And they said, you know what? You can only use that at Ford. I said, surely you jest. You mean you put me through all this and give me this card and I only get the perks at Ford? What do you want me to do going and buy $7,000 worth of oil filters? Seat covers and a bed liner? I said, I, I, that's it? Yeah, that's, that's where you get the, uh, everything else, you know. You, 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 you're not going to get that perk. That's, that car is special. And I said, well, let me tell you, it ain't that special. Amen. Because I want to use it when I want to go buy something outside of Ford. Maybe at Macy's or Walmart or, or somewhere else. You know? And so you're kind of limited. But God's grace is not like that. He doesn't say you can only use it for this situation. You can use it for every situation. You can use it to forgive you of your sins. You can use it whenever you need God to open the door that no man can shut. When you need a place to live. When you need God to heal your daughter. When you need God to bring you through in forgiveness. When you need God to intervene on a situation. His grace is sufficient for all things. Not just some things. So take everything to the Lord. Don't we do that though? We say, well, you know, I know, but God, no, no, just trust God. Just trust Him. Believe Him. He will give you grace sufficient in every situation. Amen. Every situation. Praise God. Sister Scott told me not to say it, but I'm going to say it. That I got blood work on Tuesday. No, Monday. Monday or Tuesday. I forget. Wednesday. Whatever day it was. Okay? I've worked hard. I said, God, you know... You know me, I like to eat, I like sweets, I like fat, I like this, I like that. But you're going to have to give me grace for this. You know, we got grace to pray and see somebody delivered and see somebody demon-possessed set free and, and pray for our bills. And I said, but when it comes to something like this, you know, we lean upon our own understanding and our own, you know, disciplines and dedication. But I said, God, I don't have it in me to do it. I like sugar. I like fat. I like in and out. I like it all. And you're going to have to help me because I can't do this. And I went in after two months, and I've done 85% very good. Amen. I've been a good boy in the diet department. And so here I am, 85%. Two months into it, they drew my blood. I'm telling you, my triglycerides dropped 257. Hallelujah. I'm shouting the glory. My cholesterol went down. My bad cholesterol went down. My good cholesterol went up. It's all looking good. Amen. I said, look at that. Look at that. I'm so grateful because when you need God... Even if you got a fatty liver, he knows how to help you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Woo! Hey, why are you jumping, Pastor? I'm lighter. Oh, I said, Lord, I'm so thankful. Take your burdens to the Lord. Everything. You say, I've got a broken heart, and God, it just doesn't seem like I can't get over it. It just seems like I can't get over it. And God said, take that broken heart. I'll give you grace for that broken heart. Amen. 
And you'll come to a place where you'll say, you know what? It's okay. I'm good. I made it through. He healed my broken heart. His word says that he died for the brokenhearted. He knows how to heal your broken heart. And I'm grateful. But pastor, you see, I get so tempted and I fall to things. God gave you a prescription in the word of God. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18, it says, He is able. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He is able to secure them that are tempted. That means he's able to help them. He's able to aid you. Able to provide immediate assistance. In Philippians 3.21 it says that he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Who shall change our vile body? I know he's talking about whenever we are translated. And when I say translated and we put on immortality. And we have a new body in heaven. He said but who shall change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working thereby he is, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. God can bring all things under subjection. If you'll ask him, he will. If you'll ask him, he will. Come on now. We used to have a neighbor who had a dog that barked 24-7. And I'd lay in bed and I'd say, God, shut the mouth of that black Labrador. I love dogs. Just not when they bark all the time. Come on now, folks. And that dog would over and Lucy would just lay down. God had to give me grace because my neighbor one time said, you know, the neighbors have complained, said she barks all the time, but I don't hear her bark. And I'm just looking straight ahead and I'm going. He goes, you don't think she barks all the time, do you? And I go, well, uh, sometimes when I'm home. But he is able to help He's able to subdue all things unto himself. And I'm talking about things in your life. Because there's things that we feel like the devil's lied to us and told us we're never going to overcome. We're never going to break through. We're never going to get the breakthrough that we need. But the Bible talks about temptation in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it says, he makes a way of escape that we can bear it. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What God is saying to you is that quit saying, my temptation is more difficult than somebody else's. Temptation for a drunk or an alcoholic or an addict may be something that you don't deal with. But what you deal with is temptation. And God knows the strength of that. And he knows that there's not one temptation that's greater for one or the other. It's common to all men. But God is able to get you through it. Amen. And give you a way of escape. We don't want the escape hatch. We want to go through that because we love the sin. That's one of the first things that you have to deal with. You have to say, I don't want this anymore. And if you go back and you repent enough times, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when God brings you to a place where you're sick enough of it, you got to be sick of it. The prodigal didn't get sick till he got sick. And he said, I'm done with this. Ain't no fun in this anymore. Amen. There's no more fun in this. You know. But we need to quote the covenant promise and tell God, Lord, the temptation is strong. Help me. Please help me. And I'm telling you right now from experience, whenever I said help me, God always helps me. He's an ever-present help. But He's able to secure, help, aid, provide immediate assistance. Tell him, I don't want to fall, God. I don't want to fail. Help me. Help me. You know, before it even happens, the devil already starts to bait. You haven't bit on the hook yet. It's not a temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. What? It is not a sin to be tempted. The devil will make you feel like You've already sinned when you've been tempted. But it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when you yield to it. 
But when you're being tempted, he knows that there's a possibility that you'll bite. So you have to know that I have to lean upon God and his strength. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Deliver me. You know, I heard a preacher this week, and he was talking about how that, you know, we, we, we're, we're taught, we've been taught, fasting kills the flesh. That is not true. Fasting subdues the, fre- the flesh. It brings it under subjection. It brings it to a place where you put, put it under your feet. But I can tell you, until you take your last breath and you die, this flesh is alive. Think about it. It doesn't die till you take your last breath and you're in eternity. Now, you can spiritually bring it under subjection and mortify the deeds of your body. But if you don't feed that spirit man and you don't keep your foot on that devil and that flesh, I can tell you it will come alive. Brother Talbert one time had a man, he was demon-possessed in the middle aisle, and he said, I just put my foot on top of him. (laughs) I'm sitting about where Maida is, and he said, I just put my foot on him. He just laid there. He didn't move. He said he was making all kinds of commotion. He said, but I just put my foot on. He said, in the name of Jesus, you stay there and you submit. You, I bind you. And he said, he just laid there like a possum. He said, I thought after 15, 20 minutes, I'll just move my foot. He said, I moved my foot. And here he started again. He said, I just put my foot back over there on him. He said, I still got you under my feet, devil. Through the whole service, he never made no ruckus, never made no commotion. I can tell you, you have to keep him. Subdued, and that flesh will subdue that. I mean, that that fasting will subdue that flesh. But how many knows that whenever you start eating and you get a little time under your belt, the flesh starts to come back up again, and you got to deal with it. It didn't die; it was just brought under subjection. We need to fast. We need to pray because our spirit man comes alive, and we're strengthened, and we walk on top of things. But I can tell you, we're going to deal with this the rest of our earthly life. So just get used to it. It's part of it. But you've got to know this. Jesus gave us everything we needed in the finished work. The grace, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, His Word to bring faith and that we could live and should live overcoming lives. Amen. He gives us help. Aids us. And you've got to bring that before the Lord. Tell Him, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall. Help me. And the word brings faith and it cleanses. That's what the Bible says. And that immediately activates the high priest into action. Remember we opened up with this body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. When you begin to say, Lord... I need you to come into your temple. Amen. He's already there. But the Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. So you begin to cry out to God and that high priest immediately activates and comes into activation. And he begins to work inside of you. Begins to bring conviction or begins to bring hope and faith and strength and grace. Think about that. I want you to get and wrap your head around the fact that this body right here is the temple of the Holy Ghost. There's all kinds of spiritual transaction and business going on in that Holy of Holies. All kinds of things. Worship, petitions, answered prayer. The power of God moving in your life and in your midst inside of you. And when you begin to cry out to God, the high priest immediately steps into action. It says in Hebrews 7 verse 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. Amen. Praise God. Romans 14 4 says God is able to make us stand and he'll hold us up. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand. He's able to make you stand. Remember that scripture. He's able to make you stand. People say, well, pastor, that's not the context. I'm telling you, whatever God says in his word is a promise to me. He's able to make me stand. He's able Because I can tell you, I can't stand without His grace. Hallelujah. I can't stand without Him. I can't. He is the keeper. 
1 Peter 1.5 says, and it set me free years ago, that who are kept, you and I are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in that last time. We are kept by the power of God through faith. How are we able to stand when we've done all we can do to stand? By faith. God keeps us by faith. That's what the scripture says. We're kept by the power of God through faith. Because if you believe what God's word says, I can tell you it's going to come alive in you. And you're going to say, you know what? God can do this in me. I can live an overcoming life. There's something that has happened in my life in times where I was at that place of defeat where I was almost there just about ready to just cave and go into defeat and just let the devil swallow me up in failure and defeat. But right there, the word of God was speaking to me. God was speaking to me through his word. And he's saying, Jonathan, listen to this word. Don't listen to that liar. Listen to my word. Listen to my word. Amen. That's why we need to have the word. By faith, God's gift of faith. Did you know that everything that we've received, we've received from God? You didn't one day just say, you know what? I went down and I bought me a can of faith. God gave that to you. He gave it to you because you read his word. He gave it to you because somebody spoke the word to you. Because he intends for us to stand unblameable in holiness before him. He is not only the author, but he's the finisher of our faith and our life. So you got to know that tonight. Philippians 3 and 21 tells us he will change our vile bodies into a glorious body and subdue all things. We read that earlier. But he will eradicate sin, self, and the flesh and the devil's oppression and power over you. Did you hear me? He will eradicate it. The Bible even says that if we submit ourselves to God, it says it in James. There's only, what, four or five chapters in James. Read it. You'll find it. If you submit yourself to God, you resist the devil, he will flee from you because he knows I don't have any place that I can find in this person. So we have to know that the word of God, as we begin to obey God's word, it sends the enemy to flight. We need to stop excusing failure and defeat as our norm and reality. Did you hear me? We need to stop excusing defeat and failure as our normal reality. Too many people are accepting that. Well, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. Years ago when my son was in the hospital, I had a nurse, she was trying to tell me that he had to have a blood transfusion. And you know, it's not that I wasn't, that I was against medical science or doctors or medicine, I'm not. But there was just something in me that I didn't know where that blood came from. That hit me. I thought, Lord, if it was my blood, they were transferring to be a different story. But I don't know where that blood came from. And something inside of me was like, no, don't allow them to do that. And I went to my pastor and he said, Jonathan, God will give that boy a blood transfusion from Calvary. And I remember saying to that nurse, he's not going to have a blood transfusion. And no, I ain't Jehovah's Witness. I'm not doing it because I don't know where that blood came from. But I know the blood of Jesus, amen, that can begin to wash and begin to cover us and he'll get a blood transfusion from Calvary. And I remember on Tuesday or on Monday, we went over there, maybe it was Sunday night, I'm not sure exactly what day it was, but it was that night that doctor said to me, that nurse said, sir, your son is going to die if you don't let him have a blood transfusion. I said, he'll come home tomorrow. I thought, where did that come from? Faith. Next morning, Angela called me. Jonathan, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? She said, we're going to pick up Kyle. They told us, come get him. So Sister Skiles and Susie went over there, got him in that little Pierre outfit, that little hat tilted on the side of his head. I got a picture of that. I thought, Lord, it doesn't matter. 
All that matters is that my baby boy came home. And God said, I've healed him. He never had to have a blood transfusion. Amen. Never. Never. We need to stop excusing failure and defeat as our normal reality. And we need to say, I don't accept that lie. I accept what God says to me. Amen. I accept what his word says. Don't think like that, nor live that way. We've been called to live overcoming lives. We've been called to live holy. We've been called to live pure. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Just not the things that God wants to do through us, but what he wants to do in us. In us. See, there's a lot of people, listen, there's a lot of people that operate in the gifts, but there's no character. Hey, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. They operate in the gifts, but there's no character, there's no integrity. Come on now. And God said the Holy Spirit doesn't just flow through you to operate in gifts, but He flows through you to produce fruit. It's a, it's a multifaceted work that God's... Come on now, amen. So God wants you to operate in the gifts. Oh, yes, He does. But He, I'm telling you, the same Holy Spirit's supposed to birth and bring about in you character and fruit, love, faith, goodness, kindness, joy, temperance. Amen. 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 Praise God. Come on now. Talk about what the Holy Ghost does in us. And tonight I'm focusing upon our lives because it's Thursday night. And we've come to hear God talk to us about us. We need to stop excusing things and say, well, that's just the way it is. That's just my personality. God wants to change your personality. He wants to change your stubbornness. He wants to change your anger. Well, you know, I got a... I got a, a Spanish temper. Well, get a Holy Ghost filled. Come on now. All right. Forget the Spanish. Scottish. English. I got that old French temper. We'll let God change that in you. We'll just say that's just my culture that's just the way I am we just we have anger problems I said well Jesus died so you could overcome that you don't have to let your anger come out God can take that anger he can do something with it amen a lot of times it's not just because somebody did something unjust or did an injustice it's just that we can get our way we got mad about it Or somebody said something to us and we took it out on the wrong person. Just remember this. Take it out on the person that did it to you if you're going to be angry. Don't take it out on them either. I'm just saying, don't take it out on the wrong person. I used to come home from my my family and I would be hurt and angry and upset and all these things. And I'd take it out on my wife. And one day she said, Jonathan, I didn't do that to you. Why are you taking it? Why am I the whipping post? Why? I can tell you, God's told me one day, He said, what you need to do is you need to pray that through. I've given you the power to have character in your life by my spirit. And anger can be brought under subjection. Jealousy. People say, I'm jealous. Well, God knows how to deal with jealousy. He knows how to deal with your temper and your anger. I don't care where it came from. I can tell you, I know where it goes. Under the blood. Broken. No matter where you came from and what your background is and what your ethnicity or your culture is, God knows how to change that. It's human nature. And, they're, they're, and, and it's, it's across the spectrum. Everybody. We have to deal with that. Well, you still with me? Let me move on here. Don't think like it's a normal reality in my life and this is what I am. No. God wants to change that. If you're mean, ask God to help you not to be mean. And if 15 people tell you you're mean, you're mean.
We've been called to live holy and pure. We've been called to be children of the light. We're no longer in the darkness. Come on now. This temple is not metaphorically speaking. He dwells here in you and I. And that's why you're still here. Jude. I only got two more pages. Stay here with me. It's early. Jude believed in God's keeping power and his changing power. He said in Jude verse 1. Did we have it up there? Well, that's all right. I have my Bible in front of me. That's another one I missed, brother. But that's all right. I got over my anger problem. Amen. Today, by the grace of God. One time, God knows how to. Got up here, wrote out my songs. They never made it from the pulpit to the back. And I'm up there and I'm singing and I'm going, what is wrong with that media team back there? And I'm playing. I'm going, every song took two minutes to get up there. And I kept and I thought, oh, we are going to have a meeting after this service. And I said, what happened in the service this morning? And they said, we never got a list. You started and never brought it to us. And the horror came over me. And I said, Lord, I'm texting. I'm texting. I said, I am so sorry. Benjamin, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's such a gracious young man. He said, PJ, it's all right. I said, thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the grace of God. He was so sweet in the text. He just said, it's all right. You know, but I felt that big. God said, good, you need to feel that big for a little bit. Let that sink in. You know, God knows how to show us and talk to us. Amen. Amen. We're always, we're always never seeing ourselves, but always seeing others. I had a man that I took care of one time, and I was his caregiver, Brother Paul, it was years ago. He asked me to bring him one time at a nursing home. He was in a nursing home, and uh, he said, bring me a Carl's Jr. and a, one of them vanilla shakes. So I did. Make sure there's whipped cream on it. So I got it for him. And we're sitting down, and we ate our hamburger together, and we're drinking our shakes together. And I'm looking at him, and I thought, doesn't he see that he's got whipped cream all over his face? I'm just sitting there with the straw in my mouth thinking, doesn't he feel that? <laughs> and he's just looking at me. And I thought, what's he looking at staring at me? I'm staring at you because I can't get past the hunk of whipped cream you've got right here on your chin. And he's looking at me, and I said, i got to use the restroom. Excuse me. I went in there, and I had it on my chin. <laughs> God said, I'll get you. I'll show you. Moving on. And the, the Bible says in Jude, verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. The Lord said, I've come to sanctify you. I've come to preserve you. And I've called you. I'm doing a completed work in you. He is able to sanctify us, keep the sanctified or the redeemed at all times. Let me just remind you of one thing. You're still here today. But there have been times that you had to fall in that altar and ask God to forgive you. And if you would have leaned upon yourself and what you could do in working to earn salvation, which you can't, you would have fallen apart. Your righteousness and my righteousness is as of filthy rags. That's why we have to lean upon him. But he is the keeper. He's the preserver. 
He preserves us. And he's able to sanctify us and keep the sanctified redeemed at all times. Paul told Timothy, he said, young Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.12, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. Amen. Verse, uh, verse, he said, I am persuaded. I don't know if it's the next one. Verse 13. Um, I am fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Let me just say this to you. Do you know the thing that he committed unto God was the sins and the, the, the redemption that Jesus did? He said, I've committed that to you. I've committed that what I've, what I've given to you and confessed to you and asked you to forgive, I put my faith and trust that you would do it and that it would be committed until that day. You're not going to bring me before the throne of God and judgment and say, well, now I've changed my mind. It's under the blood the things that have been committed are under the blood. And man may remember, bring up things, surface your sins, but never Jesus. He never brings it up. He's faithful to you. Faithfully, you've confessed your sins, you've repented, and they are under the blood. They're under the blood. Don't let the devil try to drudge up what God has put under the blood. Amen. Just remind the enemy, the blood's far too red for me to see and for anybody else to see. It's too red. Hallelujah. Man may remember, but God forgets, and he will be faithful to, to keep that which you've committed unto him. And you've got to be persuaded of that. You've got to know that. Amen. It's kept there under the blood. Just as sure as you drop a pebble in the ocean, it's gone forever. So are the sins under the blood. We live victorious because of all that God has done through Jesus and his word to us. Romans 14 and 21, he said in the word of God, Romans 14 and 21, amen, I'll turn there real quick here, but Romans 14 and 21, and the scripture says this, I got it here, I got a large print here, so I'm good. Amen. But 14 and 21, it said, It is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is... That is not the scripture that I had written down here. Amen. That's not the one that I was wanting to quote. Romans 4, 21. Sorry. I'm excited tonight. But he said, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Remember that. Remember that scripture, what, what God had spoken to Abraham and what Abraham had put in God's hands and trusted him. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. There have been things that I said, God, I'm still believing you for this to manifest in victory in my life. And he said, just stay there. My grace is sufficient for you and your weakness. I'm always there, Jonathan. My grace is sufficient. And I'm persuaded, Abraham was persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform and meet that promise. God is a promise keeper. We want things sometimes that God did not promise us. Amen. There is, though that what he has promised which is the Holy Ghost. We want things that He hasn't promised. But what about the things that He has promised? Pursue the things He has promised and you won't want the things He hasn't promised. They won't matter to you. Amen. They won't matter to you. So rest, act, operate, live in what He has promised you because He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or even think according to the power that worketh within you Ephesians 3 and 20 he wants to make us holy he wants to keep us holy he wants to present us holy unto himself so live in the promised word that we read tonight those scriptures he wants to save me to the uttermost he wants to do something in me sanctify me change me refine me I'm still on the potter's wheel 
He hasn't taken me off that wheel yet. He's still making a vessel out of me. And I'm so grateful tonight that he that has begun this good work in me will be faithful to complete it. He loves you, Judy. He loves us, Kyle. He's faithful. And so know this as you go through the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Do you know the word is a person too? The word is a person. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became uh, flesh and dwelt among us. John chapter 1, the gospel. He said, I am the bread of life. The word. So thy word have I hid in my heart. Jesus is hidden here deep inside. Just remember this. The great high priest dwells right here. That's why when you say something you shouldn't say, I said, Lord, if I start to say something I shouldn't say, immediately begin to convict me. And you know, God has made good on that promise. I'll start to say something and I'll start to feel real ugly. And I'm like, shutting up. God said, clamp it down. Don't say it. Whenever you begin to think something, say something, do something, he'll begin to deal. No saying. Because that high priest is operating there. Thy word is hid in my heart. Let the word of God speak to you because that's God speaking. It's God speaking. And it's a living word. And it's what's going to change us, refine us, cleanse us, instruct us, disciple us. And stand upon the promises of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. You can't become what God wants you to become without the Holy Ghost. That's why this year God said, preach on that Holy Ghost baptism all the time. People need to be filled. They must be filled. You want to know why we're dealing with people in the church? They're not full of the Holy Ghost. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It will heal everything. It'll take care of it. It'll take care of it. That's the God we serve. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you because you are an ever-present help in our time of need and trouble. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you've never changed, Lord, but you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, Lord, today for the word of God. The word of God, Lord, that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm asking you tonight as we come to this time of a close, Lord, that you will minister, Lord, to every person sitting in this building. And, Lord, I, I believe you tonight, Lord, to uh, begin to do a work, Lord.